0: The highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. Proof is an investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. 25 years later, on December 8th, 2022, both men were finally freed based on evidence unearthed by Proof. In the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Rene Ramos. On June the 5th, 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now, Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, and Ty Lopez, the 33-year-old uncle of one of Jake's close friends, were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover. Cover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to "Proof: Murder at the Warehouse." Wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
2: The CIA came from the Council on Foreign Relations. The United Nations came from the Council on Foreign Relations. So once that organization was created and began to amass more and more political and economic power.
0: C60 EVO delivers the miracle molecule ESS60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 EVO with those you love? ESS 60 from C60 EVO is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years, and during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality, we're both pain-free. In a landmark, peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS 60 lived Twice their normal lifespan. Go to C60EVO.com/slash Richard-Serrett or click on the C60EVO link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS 60 from C60EVO. Order your miracle in a bottle
1: today. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
0: Paul L. Williams, Ph.D., investigates the true motives and consequences of the Pilgrim Society. Early members of the Pilgrim Society included J.P. Morgan, Andrew Carnegie, Andrew Mellon, Cornelius Vanderbilt, Paul Warburg, Mortimer Schiff, Otto Kahn, and John D. Rockefeller. Although the Pilgrim Society and the powerful men involved are often praised for their philanthropic actions. My uh, guest tonight, Paul Williams, reveals that the society was self-serving and subjected the American people to a brutal system of economic tyranny which is still in place today. Paul Williams is a journalist and author. He served as a consultant for the FBI, editor and publisher of The Metro in Scranton, Pennsylvania, as well as an adjunct professor of humanities at the University of Scranton. He is the co-author or author of a number of books, including Osama's Revenge, The Next 9-11, The Vatican Exposed, Operation Gladio, The Killing of Uncle Sam, and his latest, co-authored by Rodney Howard Brown, is Killing the Planet, How a Financial Cartel Doomed Mankind. Paul... How are you? Well, it's great to be back with you, Richard. I want to delve into the Rockefeller family tree just for a minute here, because a lot of people, they're familiar with John D. Rockefeller. They're familiar with David Rockefeller, who lived to the ripe old age. I think he was 104 or something. Mm -hmm. But many people may not be familiar with John D. Rockefeller's father, who was a bit of a scoundrel, to say the least. Tell us about his dad.
2: Well, his dad was known as Devil Bill. And he passed himself off as a doctor, as somebody who could cure cancer. And uh, he traveled throughout uh, the, the southern states and the eastern states back in the 1840s and the 1850s. And uh, once again, he, he peddled uh, a cure for cancer. And uh, he called himself Dr. William uh, Livingston. And his real name was, of course, William Rockefeller. He was a horse thief when he went to town and, and sold his snake oil. He would almost always steal a horse and hitch it to his carriage and uh, head out of town. He was also a child molester. He was a, a bigamist. He was a, an, an all-around scoundrel. And he taught his sons how to cheat, and he was very proud of that. He said that I, I teach my sons how to cheat every chance I get and how to make a crooked buck. And that lesson was well received by his eldest son, John D. Rockefeller, who uh, in the 1870s managed to gain control by crooked means of the oil industry. The oil industry, of course, was flourishing that time in Pennsylvania, Drake's Folly, they called it. And Rockefeller, by cooking a deal where he got control of all the refineries by making a deal with the railroad companies so that they were charging all the other people involved in the oil industry considerably more money to transport their oil than he had to pay. He eventually gained control of all the oil refineries, and by the turn of the 20th century, he controlled 90% of all the oil in the United States.
0: But Uh, what was the oil being used for, Paul? Because the automobile was initially, I think, designed to run on ethanol Exactly. when Henry Ford conceived the idea. So what was oil being used for back then primarily?
2: Well, that's why they said Drake's Folly, because when you're going back to the 1860s, there was very little use for oil. The real worth of oil came about in about 1870, when it could be refined into kerosene and used to light lamps throughout the world. Uh, This was, of course, before gas. All the houses throughout the United States, because of the development of kerosene, were lit by oil. And what happened is when Henry Ford developed the cars, the automobile industry would be the greatest boom ever for uh, farmers throughout the United States and Canada, because the cars would run on fermented vegetables, corn, wheat, any vegetable that you could ferment, apples, anything. You could ferment, you could use as fuel. And Ford always believed his cars were built to run on, you know, on, on ethanol. And what Rockefeller did, which was kind of ingenious, Rockefeller funded the prohibition movement, uh, to, to outlaw the sale of alcohol throughout the, in fermented, uh, substances throughout the United States. He funded that almost single-handedly. So So what happened was that the the farmers then, who were producing moonshine that could have uh, fueled the cars, had to put poison in their ethanol, which made it unusable for, for, for automobiles. So John D. Rockefeller was very, very ingenious. And the entire oil industry was really developed by him. Think about this. Like, to this day... You know, almost everything is run. Uh, uh, I mean, all, all the cars, and uh, the, the the number one fuel throughout the world remains oil, and that was really uh, Rockefeller's uh, ingenuity. But by the so, turn of the so
0: the 20th so, without prohibition. Excuse me, Paul, but this is important uh, because this is something I hadn't really connected, which you just did so brilliantly, and that is without prohibition. If prohibition hadn't happened. We'd be driving around cars fueled on ethanol. Absolutely. So did he bribe congressmen in order to to bring in, uh, what was that? Was that the 13th Amendment, the prohibition?
2: Yeah, yeah, and and what he did was even, even, even more ingenious. He didn't even work through the government. What he did was he worked through local temperance societies and through churches. He set up a foundation. And he would give these, uh, these temperance leagues and, uh, uh, people who were, uh, and church groups, he would give them incredible amounts of money to run a campaign about, to, uh, so that, uh, alcohol would be outlawed. And he really did that from the grassroots. But the foundation, what happened was with the foundations that he set up, fueled the prohibition movement. It was totally Rockefeller.
0: Fascinating. Fascinating.
2: Something I came up right. How did, and, and, writing uh, "Killing the Planet," but this guy was uh, John D. Rockefeller uh, was well. First of all, he, he not only he not only created the oil industry and the natural gas industry, but he also funded the Russian Revolution. People aren't aware of that. He also was a main sponsor of socialism. He also gave rise to, uh, really, the educational systems throughout the United States and Canada through his foundations. And that was all very ingenious because he he could control education and, 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 and by that, uh, really control uh, the minds of, of, of the people of North America simply by giving the colleges and universities incredible amounts of money. And the, the colleges and universities became completely reliant on his foundations to meet their expenses. As a matter of fact, to this day, and this is, this is interesting, Richard, uh, one third of the budget of all the colleges and universities in the United States is, uh, comes from foundations, largely the Rockefeller Foundations. So they wow. continue to control education.
0: Well, let me just back he, up a minute to the uh, the Russian Revolution uh, well, why did he why did he get behind the Bolsheviks why did he support the revolution
2: well he always wanted he always believed that competition was a sin and he always wanted to be the sole provider of the, the commodity that he was he was invested in whether it be natural gas or oil or later even banking Uh You see, socialism, I mean even communism, suited his ends because socialism had the complete control of industry by the government. And that's all well and good, but the government still has to get money. And if he could control the money that's being provided to the government, he could control the whole nine yards. He realized that from the beginning. Trotsky, Leon Trotsky, as a matter of fact, be, before the Russian Revolution, was uh, he, he was housed in, in a property owned by Standard Oil. Aha! Uh-huh. He was, trans- mm-hmm. he, was he, he was transported to Russia by the Rockefellers, and they also fascinating. They also, after the, the uh, turn of the century, sponsored almost all the leading uh, uh, communist uh, propaganda uh, uh, machines throughout North America. Uh, the newspapers, the periodicals,
0: the radio programs. Amazing. Now, Standard Oil, Teddy Roosevelt uh, decided he wanted to bust up that monopoly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't work, though, exactly, did it? Why, did it? why, why <laughs> well, not?
2: See that. Once, once again, you, you got a guy who's, who's really... You, you got to, this is one thing. John D. Rockefeller, from the time he was born, and the Rockefellers to this day... They're born with the pathological fear of poverty, that they're going to lapse back into, uh, into the state from which the, the, the great-great-grandfather, uh, 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 where he lived. And uh, they, they, there's, there's a pathological fear of, once again, of poverty. So they want to control everything. And they, 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 they realize that they had to control, uh, you know, they, they, they wanted to control the government. They wanted to control education. When they developed uh, uh, petrochemicals, they, they found out a way to control the medical industry. So that, to this day, that, that the, the schools, the medical schools, receive most of their funding from the, the Rockefeller foundations, and the doctors are taught to uh, deal in petrochemicals. Holistic doctors were put out of business all by the Rockefellers. So the so even even the drugs that people are taking for cancer, chemotherapy. Is, is mustard gas that's controlled by the rockefeller uh, family uh the the number one controllers of 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 radium uh, are the rockefeller foundations and families so uh, when people are, are treated with uh, uh with with uh with radium and when they're treated with chemotherapy they're increasing the rockefeller fortune
0: Unbelievable. But do you, you have an, an estimate, that, course, an estimated American, worth of the family right now?
2: The American uh, uh, the American Legal uh, Association.
0: Right. I do want to get to that, but I, I just wanted to ask you about the the. Uh, do you have a handle on how much the estimated wealth of the the Rockefeller uh, family is at this point? Are we talking trillions? Oh man.
2: You're, well, you got to realize that first of all, if Richard. Just, just, can, and most people are unaware. We're not talking about conspiracy. This is all fact. The number one share, the shareholder, the one who controls, the one family that controls most of the shares of the Federal Reserve, is the Rockefeller family. Let's start with that. that right. They, right. So, they, look at their money is is oh man it's, 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 it goes into everything everything that you every, everything that you uh, uh, everything that you need in order for you to live including even the green industries all, all these the, the food the food in Monsanto all the food industries the genetically modified uh, organisms that, that constitute a lot of the food that we buy all that comes from the Rockefellers So Mm -hmm. how in the world can you you estimate their wealth? You can look at one thing and Chase Manhattan Bank. What is that worth? You know, you go from there to what are the, what are the various oil companies? You, you, you look at the different oil companies, uh, you know, uh, Atlantic Richfield, Exxon, uh, they're all owned by the Rockefellers. There's no, de- well that's, the I was
0: mentioning, United I was West. mentioning Teddy mm-hmm. Roosevelt, I was mentioning Teddy Roosevelt trying to smash the monopoly, but that's what happened. He just formed all these other little companies, right? They're, he they're got around all,
2: it. That, that was, that served him even, the, the Rockefellers even to a greater extent.
0: Ah. Uh. Um, I mentioned this to you last time we spoke, Paul, but uh, I just wanted to mention it to my listeners on this uh, this program. You were mentioning that, the, you know, how the Rockefellers even get behind the green movement. And uh, up here, of course, we have uh, the oil sands uh, out in Alberta. And uh, they can't get their oil to market because they're landlocked. And we have a federal government that has not managed to build pipelines to the West Coast so that we could get that oil on tanker ships and over to... Uh, overseas markets so it's it's landlocked and of course the uh the the oil industry in alberta has been uh, vilified uh by all these environmental groups uh who who uh, insist on keeping the oil in the ground and so forth well uh a uh an investigator by the name of vivian kraus out in alberta uh did some heavy heavy research and who did she find was funding all of these environmental groups that was trying to keep oh, yeah. Alberta oil in the ground, the Rockefeller Foundation.
2: Right. Absolutely. And that they're, they're, you see that what's going to happen in the future, I believe, is that uh, the, the world's money, which is based on nothing right now, it's not based on a gold standard. It's not based on even petrodollars anymore. It's going to be based on carbon emissions. Gore was aware of that. Uh, mm. And you, you, there were say Different com- countries right now are dealing in uh, trading uh, r- rationing coupons for carbon, so that uh, if if a, if if a, if a country can amass a great deal of these of these coupons, uh, <clears throat> that they're going to be able to uh, to use the most energy, and the, the other countries that, that don't have the, the uh, that, that don't have the 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 rationing uh, coupons. Uh. will be relying on, you know, uh. and on and, 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 and the people who hold the, 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 the coupons, uh. for their existence. What we're seeing that right. take place right now, uh. that, that, that the, the, the future, once again, the, the, all the currency in the world will be based on carbon emissions. The Rockefellers are aware of that, so they're very heavily involved now in green energy.
0: <laughs> they're, they're, they, have, they have us coming and going. Involved
2: right now in climate change and in, in, in different forms of uh, in procedures, including HARP, uh, that can control the climate. So uh, I mean, that's all. It's all everything that we do right now. This is what I found when I was doing the research for Killing the Planet. I, I, I think that, that that the Rockefellers, what they started, that's what that family started in, during the 20th century. Uh, is affects every single person on the globe right now.
0: After John D. Rockefeller, we had uh, a number of the Rockefeller families that were sort of very highly... They were public figures. We had uh, Elson Rockefeller, of course, who was a vice president. We had uh, uh, Jay Rockefeller. We had David Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. They've all passed on. Who is sort of the face now of the Rockefeller family? We don't hear much about this person.
2: Well, I, I mean, there's so many different... You're not dealing with the fifth generation people like Stephen Rockefeller, you know Lawrence Rockefeller. I mean, J. Rockefeller's sons, J. Rockefeller right. Jr. You know, uh, John D. Rockefeller the fifth. You know, I mean, they're 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 still around. The family is still, of course, very active and very much involved. But really, what they gave rise to was a a, a, a machine, a huge corporate machine that. I don't know who controls it right now, but it controls us, and Indeed. that's the important thing because it's it's all it was all for in in the about gain about the putting an end to capitalism about spreading uh, socialism, uh, and we're, we're seeing it all come to fruition right right now.
0: You were mentioning the the control of the education system. Uh, are there Rockefeller? Subsidiaries that are responsible for writing the textbooks.
2: Oh, absolutely. The the way that works is uh, the foundations. Once again, the foundations were created. Uh, the Rockefeller Foundations in the in the uh, right before right before and during World War One. And what they did was they began providing an incredible amount of funding to colleges, small colleges and large colleges. Throughout Canada and throughout the United States, and what what would happen is the colleges would receive these benefactions from the Rockefeller Foundation for a year, two years, three years, and then finally, at the fourth year, when they applied for the funding, they wouldn't get it, and they would say, well, you know, what's the problem? We need the funding right now because we're relying on it. We build all these new buildings, we have a new faculty, we have expanded our faculty, we. have uh, we need the money. And <clears throat> the Rockefeller Foundation inevitably said, oh, yeah, but, you know, you will receive the funding, but we just need something in return. We just need you to change your, your, your curricula in certain areas. We need you to uh, institute programs not in history but in social social science. We need you to to develop new courses in anthropology rather than religion or philosophy. It it, it happened. of all the university or the seminaries and they they really in that way by educating in the, the seminaries uh, are the way in which ministers were educated they changed what was what was being pre- preached from churches you know throughout throughout uh, throughout North America
0: that uh, explains so. a lot because I, I mentioned to you I grew up in the Methodist Church the United Church now oh,
2: that, that, that and, uh, and the Methodist Church apps went they the Methodist seminaries, the leading Methodist seminaries, uh, Duke, Drew, here in the United States, completely relying on, on the Rockefeller Foundation.
0: I've seen. That. It makes a lot of sense now, uh, Paul, because what what has happening is, and I left the Methodist Church, the United Church. I grew up in it; it was wonderful and instilled a wonderful sense of fellowship. It was a little weak on the worship side, but there was lots of fellowship. But what happened was, you have all these. Um, United Church ministers now who are uh, preaching, and there are a number of them that do not even subscribe to the divinity of oh, Christ.
2: No, no, no. no. Ab- absolutely, Richard. I've seen it. I've seen people in. Uh, I've taught in seminaries throughout the, the. And I've seen people come in who are devout believers, de- de- believe, fervently believe in Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. I've seen. Within one week, their faith shattered. And it's very easy. What, they, what the professors do is they'll say, well, the most important aspect of the life of Jesus is probably the resurrection. So look at the account in Matthew, and, and then they say, what do you see in Matthew? Who was the first one that appeared at the tomb? What time of day was it? What did that one person, who did that person tell about the resurrection? What did they do? And they'll put down exactly what happened in Matthew what exactly what happened in, in Mark, what, what exactly what happened in Luke, and what exactly what happened in John. And then they'll, they'll be all written in front of the students, and they'll say, notice how there, every aspect of these stories conflict with one another. And that shows you that the event never occurred. Mm-hmm. That's They're the sowing the
0: seeds of doubt.
2: That's what, that, that, That's so, And these people come out of, of seminaries and once again, it's, it serves the purpose of the, the foundation, because they're promoting globalism and a one-world religion, and this, this suits their needs. So that, that, that by the end of their, uh, their seminary education, they'll believe that any form of worship is equally efficacious, equally, uh, e- equally me- meaningful. Uh, and that, you know, Christians have no real claim, exclusive claim on the truth. I've seen that. I've seen that time and time again. But it, it, it was all, it's all according. It was all set. This entire strategy was set by the Rockefellers. It's nefarious, but I've seen it.
0: Done. <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. I would just want to back up a little bit and talk about the Pilgrim Society. And, of course, oh, yeah. the Rockefellers are, are uh, you know, central to that. But there were other families you know, the Morgans and so forth. Um, what was the purpose? I mean, on, uh, ostensibly it was to do philanthropic work, but what were they doing behind the scenes?
2: The, the, you, let, let's just cut to where, where the Pilgrim Society came from. In, uh, in 1887, Cecil John Rhodes uh, formed the society, of the elect, a secret society, to promote global government under British rule. And he formed a society of elect with, uh, Nathan Rothschild. And members of that society included the most influential people in England. Lord Reginald Brett, who was Queen Victoria's closest advisor. Lord Rosebery, who would become British, uh, Britain's prime minister. Arthur Balfour, or Lord Balfour, who would be, also become a prime minister. Uh, uh, William Stead, who was Britain's leading, uh, uh, journalist. Uh, Alfred Milner, who had become governor of of South Africa. These were members of, and the, the, the society of the elect wanted to take control first of, they wanted to take control of Africa. And they instituted the Second Boer War, which was very successful. They manipulated the whole thing. And the next step was to effect the reunion of the United States with Great Britain. That's what they wanted to do. And in order to do that, they they morphed the members of the society of, of the elect, same people that we're talking about, except that uh, Rhodes was dead. Rothschild, Nathan Rothschild, Roseberry, Brett, Balfour, Stead, Milner—all these same people formed the Pilgrim Society in London. They're going back in 1902. Within six months, they formed the. Uh, Pilgrim Society in New York that met at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. The, the members of the uh, Pilgrim Society in London were the most powerful people in Britain. The members of the Pilgrim Society in New York were the most powerful people in America. J.P. Morgan, Andrew Carnegie, Cornelius Vanderbilt, William Howard Taft, who would become president shortly, uh, Grover Cleveland, who was the former president, Paul Warburg of Kuhn Loeb, uh, Nelson Aldrich, a senator, Mark Twain, <laughs> John D. Rockefeller, Vincent astor yeah, the this goes on. But what they wanted to do is number number one thing is they wanted to form an alliance between a, a new a new union between Great Britain and the United States. And the, the, the first the first step in doing that. This, this, these are the pilgrims was to create a central central bank in the United States. And therefore, the same people that we're talking about are the people the members of the Pilgrim Society went to Jekyll, Jekyll Island and created the Federal Reserve
0: System. Right. That was rammed through uh, Congress during the Christmas break when many members were absent. Most right. never even read the bill. That, Mark you know, Twain, uh, we're just about heading into the break here, but very quickly, do you, did Mark Twain... Know the sort of this maybe the sinister motives, or was he just joining what he thought was a social club and something because he was interested in philanthropy? So
2: no, Mark Twain. If you if you read Letters from the Earth, was was adamantly uh, opposed to Christianity, adamantly opposed to uh, American. Despite the fact that he wrote Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, he also wrote Innocence Abroad, in which you know he. he <laughs> No, he was a, a rabbit Anglophile who wanted to bring about this this union. He was not a, a you know a red-blooded yank.
0: All right, we'll uh, step away momentarily come back. more of my conversation with Dr. Paul Williams, the co-author of Killing the Planets. And what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love Tales of the Paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Better help is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com. That's Help, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash conspiracy and join the over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp, and Conspiracy Unlimited. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com unlimited.
1: Ah! The truth goes through 3 stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, I don't know what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. We are back with Paul Williams, co-author of
0: Killing the Planet. We're talking about the Rockefeller family, the Rockefeller Foundations. There is a spider web of uh control, manipulation and um you were mentioning the uh the attempt to essentially get the colony back under british control right that mad mad king george iii had lost in 1776 and so if we look at history sort of uh, through that lens it's uh an attempt to get the colony back I'm wondering about your thoughts. We just passed the 56th anniversary of the assassination of JFK. Some see that as a, a coup d'état, an attempt to get the executive branch more firmly under control. Um, was that part of the, the 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 Pilgrim? Were the Pil was the Pilgrim Society involved? Were the Rockefellers involved? Well,
2: if I, if, I, if I, you allow me to backtrack, when you know, so that I can make that bridge. Uh, yes. What happened with the, the Pilgrim Society? You, you're dealing with an organization that was created in 1903, and uh, they brought about. They, they created the, uh, the Federal Reserve System. They 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 really instigated World War One. And at the end of World War One, they wanted to bring about the League of Nations, so that a new a new global government. When that failed, the Pilgrim Society in London morphed into the Royal Institute of International Affairs, also known as the Chatham House. In the United States, the Pilgrim Society in New York morphed into the Council on Foreign Relations. The Council on Foreign Relations was controlled once again by these very same people, but the most powerful influence and the gatekeeper of the Council on Foreign Relations was John D. Rockefeller, Jr., and that organization, from that organization, and once again, they, when you're dealing with, that was created in, 19, in 1920. There were let, there were there were there were less than 200 members, and yet out of that organization, by ne- by 2019, the United States has as witnessed from the Council of Foreign Relations, 20 secretaries of state, 19 secretaries of defense, 21 CIA directors. Almost every chairman of the Federal Reserve has come from that same pool. The Council on Foreign Relations is is organized the same way the Pilgrim Society was organized, as a circle within a circle. There's an inner nucleus that controls the whole thing, that prepares policy uh, papers that are really eventually drafted into national policy and international policy. The CIA came from the Council on Foreign Relations, from the bowels of the United Nations, came from the Council on Foreign Relations. So what, what, what took place w- once that, that, that organization was created and began to amass more and more political and economic power, uh, when you had a guy like Kennedy who decided to, to, to take the uh, uh, control of the currency away from the Federal Reserve System, and to place it under the Department of the Treasury, under government control, right after he announces he, his plans to do that, I mean, he's dead. Well, right. You right. have to look who were the shareholders of the, uh, uh who are the shareholders of the Federal Reserve at that time, the major share- shareholders. Uh, uh, also, who was controlling the State Department at that time? Who was controlling, you know, even who was controlling the press at that time? You see, if you, I was a member of the press I wrote for the leading newspapers in the United States and if you wanted to get if you wanted to get the inside news Richard you couldn't get it by you know talking to you or talking this is in the day now I'm 75 but as a as a journalist as a as a, as a journalist who was hired by leading news agencies you had to go to the you had to go to the Pratt House in New York the Council on Foreign Relations you had to get entry in there in order to find out what was going on within the country. Because the, the all the rich and powerful industrialists, bankers, businessmen, politicians all gather there. If you didn't have entry to the Council on Foreign Relations, you didn't have a story. They controlled the press. They controlled what news was was released, uh, what was printed. Uh the, 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 the editors and the publishers of every leading newspaper in Canada, in the United States, was related to the, to the Pratt House, to the Council on Foreign Relations. So you got to realize that they had that, that kind of power. So when Kennedy, I mean, Kennedy was, compared with the, the power that this cartel has, the power of any uh, president or any politician is m- minuscule so,
0: uh, yes, yeah, he's a ceremonial ribbon cutter <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by,
2: yeah,
0: I mean, uh, by I mean, comparison.
2: Look, I mean, they can overnight all they need to do just 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 the shareholders of the Fed. And once again, they, look who owns the Fed. It's not the American people. It's owned by international bankers. If they want to bring about a, uh, a depression, all they need to do is cut cut back in the money supply. It's very easy. And by the way, they did that. And that was a, an enormous benefit for the Rockefellers, the Great Depression. They engineered that whole thing. And at the end of the Great Depression, they could move in and buy the leading corporations in the United States for pennies on the dollar.
0: Right. It all happened. Right. You know, they own the entire Monopoly board. One has to ask, you know, what's left? What's left for them to own?
2: There's, you see, well, you see it even in in my industry. Uh they're, they're, they, they control everything. is Everything is consolidating now. They, they, Teddy Roosevelt uh, broke to, or busted the trust, but the trusts are back now. You got to realize that every, even in the publishing industry, in the day you had uh, Bantam, Doubleday, Dell, uh, Random House, Penguin. All these they're all consolidated now. It's all one yeah. firm, one editorial board controlled by the same people. You see, consolidation
0: in everything. Uh, I mentioned that uh, that legend uh, going into the uh, the break. I've heard that repeatedly. Is it true that when the Queen of England would come to the United States, her first visit would be to see David Rockefeller? Have you heard that? I
2: I, I have I have heard that and I believe that, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, <clears throat> David Rockefeller was the founder of the Bilderberg Group, which was established in 1954. Uh, The Bilderberg Group, the the purpose of the Bilderberg Group was to unite all the world into one economic entity, and especially to create Eurasia. Uh, A leading member of the Bilderberg Group, almost from the get-go, is Prince Philip, the husband of Queen Elizabeth. So they are so tight. With the Rockefellers, that you, you know they're, they're they're as close as, as any, any 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 people on the planet can be. So I would say absolutely. If he was visiting the United States, he would immediately stop at Rockefeller Center and visit David Rockefeller, or Chase Manhattan Bank and visit David Rockefeller.
0: There's another story I've been told. Uh, this comes from among others, Daniel Estulin, who has written extensively about the Bilderbergs. And and yeah. he talks about a Bilderberg meeting in 1991, uh, where a young Arkansas governor, former Ar- gov- Ar- Ar- Arkansas mm-hmm. governor, Bill Clinton, was in attendance. Right. Bill Clinton was introduced to David Rockefeller. Right. Uh, David Rockefeller proceeded to give uh, William Jefferson Clinton sort of a master's class on globalism. Right. After which he asked Clinton, "Do you agree or disagree?" He said, "I'm all in." And Rockefeller supposedly extended his hand and said, "Congratulations, Mr. President." Okay. Uh, is that apocryphal? Is that true?
2: Oh, that look, they, the power, absolutely. I mean, they 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 have, they have they have controlled almost every election that we've had in the United States. They they've controlled. They they control education. They can they control. The Supreme Court. They control People listening to this would think this is really crazy. But look at money controls everything. If you want to understand, it, if you want to understand a development, you always have to follow the money, and the money inevitably leads back to the Rockefeller family. So right. uh, yes, yes, I, 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 the the relationship between the Clintons, uh, the Bushes, the. Uh, Obama with the with the uh, and even Trump with the Rockefellers is very very deep.
0: Is there a countervailing force? Is there a a, let's say a dynasty in opposition to the Rockefellers that are they're sort of the two are battling behind the scenes and occasionally it kind of spills out onto the main stage.
2: No, what you had was in in 1998 you had the uh, merger of Amico. With BP, that that represented people probably the most significant one of the most significant developments of the 20th century. That was the merger of the Rothschilds with the Rockefellers, and ah. with BP, and <clears throat> that that merger took place because really the Rockefellers became infinitely more powerful. The
0: United States became infinitely more powerful than Great Britain. Right. Now, on the surface, uh, uh, Trump seems to be the antithesis of what the Pilgrim Society and the Rockefellers want. He talks about America first. He talks about yeah. tariffs. He talks about borders. He talks about the nation state. Well, and you the, look at tariff, who's in, who stands in opposition. In
2: the, they're done away with. The, uh, uh the, uh, Rex Tillerson, who was his, uh, That are promised that are never delivered. You know, we're going to build a wall. We're going to do this. We're going to pull out of the endless wars, and yet the endless wars go on. Mm-hmm. We're going to. I'm we, going to take control of the CIA, and yet the CIA is still under the control of, you know, the money cartel. No, I I, 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 Richard, I, I, I had a. a, a, a
0: How do we fight back or is it too late the,
2: the way you see what the forces are all pushing toward a global government we're seeing more and more that coming to fruition uh and i i see it with the law's And have gone on for a generation that, that really have no, no, people even know that they were created by false flags by bogus news, and yet nobody, nobody, nobody cries out against it.
0: It sounds it, like it they have changed. everything locked it's down. Hope. Is there any hope
2: here, Paul? All. I, 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 I think that the the, the first way it could, it, it, that that hope could be it would would be uh, if we could get. If we could get control of education, where people are really learning something. If we could, if 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 believers could take control of their churches, if local people on the the, like you, and people that that get involved in Canadian politics, that believe and that know that's exactly what's taking place, if they would do that, if they would engage, yeah, that's where the hope is. But the hope is not with the people who are funded to run for office.
0: And Boy, that sounds like a pretty daunting, almost
2: by, impossible or, task. Or, so yeah, I, I, that that is the only hope. You get a show like like this where, where, we, where we're talking, and people, a lot of people will just dismiss this. But some people might actually pick up a copy of that book. I know I'm not making a dime on the book, by the way. All the proceeds go to the River School of Government. But if they could just get a copy of the book. And read it and find out what's going on, and saying, "I'm going to change this locally." That's where it starts.
0: Right, killing the planet. Uh, y- you mentioned you know people might sit back and say, "Well, this is too unbelievable." Talk to me about the documentation, the amount of footnoting you've done here.
2: It, 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 to write a book like this, to, uh, I, 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 I can't even tell I'm an obsessive compulsive, so uh, I I will, I will work maybe 16 hours a day. And when I'm and I don't I don't sleep, so I go through the, 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 the there there are over fifteen there's over fifteen hundred footnotes in that book, and they're all to primary sources. The, the at the end of the book of Killing the Planet is a classified CIA document. I thought I'd be arrested by now. There's a classified CIA document at the end of that 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 should that should drop the scales from anyone's eyes. At the end of that book,
1: wow!
0: Um, and also, people need to should understand. You know, you just can't uh, put a book out there that's just filled with innuendo and speculation. You have to have a book like that lawyered, right?
2: Well, he, he, first of all, he, I mean, I've been sued. I've been sued in Canada for. I've been, and I prevailed. I was sued by a leading guy, figures in Canada. I don't know if you're aware of this. Richard has sued, sued for twelve million dollars. At McMaster
0: University, it. wasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> look, at, I don't have anything. I mean, I used all my funds when they when they came after me. I said, hell no, I'm, I'm going to fight back, and I did, and I prevailed. And if I could do that, you know, then you know, I mean, a lot. There still is hope. But yeah, in a book like this, you have to have you have to have all the eyes dotted and all the Ts crossed because you're going against people with a great deal of money. You know, you have to be prepared for that. So the book has to be very well documented. I mean, everything has to be documented. Every sentence has to be documented, and it has to be very well vetted. You then you have to. Have
0: and how do to... how do folks get a hold of a copy of Killing the Planet, Paul?
2: Oh, you could get it from any book, uh, you know, major book outlet, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. What's in the, the huge the, the huge book outlet? Uh,
0: Indigo. Indigo. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Indigo. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, yeah, they will be available anywhere. All,
0: All right. right, and we've linked up to that at strangeplanet.ca. If you want to just click on the book title, I think it links up to uh, thing to I Amazon.
2: To I leave you is how important a show like yours is. They're not; they're very few and far between. There are very few get. They're very few hosts who are as well educated, well informed as you are. And I, I've been on hundreds and hundreds of shows, and this show is very important. um, Paul,
0: thank you. That's very kind of you to say. And it's uh, always a delight. Let's uh, talk again soon. Okay, my friend.
1: A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now.